Hey, can I apologise for Pete Stewart? <laughs> I've pretty much been employed the last 13 years to try and be a filter. <laughs> I'm sorry that I have failed. <laughs> um, and that's how we will go on. <laughs> Secondly, uh, where's Alan? McKnight, is he gone? Oh, there he is. Do you remember some feedback you gave me a while ago? Told me, told me off for having a massive bottle in, in the pulpit, so I brought the biggest one I could find. <laughs> that's, that's what you've taught us, Alan, thanks. Okay. I've been asked to look at how do we establish churches? It's a good question. I think we should pray. <laughs> I think that's a good place to start. Father, again, we want to bow before you. We want to come with an attitude of praise forever to the King of Kings. We want to go in the authority of Christ to do what we have been commanded to do. And yet, Lord, please help us to think through the many things that we could do. Help us today love Christ all the more and go to serve him all the more. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Nine years ago, it became apparent that God was calling Pete Stewart and I to plant a church. We were youth workers running a busy youth project, having significant influence and opportunity within the church that we were based. We'd seen people show an interest in the Bible, in the gospel, in Christ, some even professed faith. We had a passion to reach the people of Berlanic with the gospel of Jesus, and we were convinced the best way to do that, as we've been thinking about this weekend, was through local church. The church we were part of was not on the same page. In 2012, we met Mez. I could just say the rest is history, but we'll tell you a little bit more of the story. We started to get to know him and Nidra Community Church. We instantly connected. We were on the same page in so many ways. From 20 Schemes, we had uh, vision trips. Some of you guys are on just now. Vision trips came to, to see the work and the need in Berlanic. Mission teams came and supported us in summers. And about a year and a half after we first met Mez, he asked us, Boys, what is it you want to see in Berlanic? Our answer was simple. You've heard us say this countless times. It's a simple answer. A healthy gospel church. Mezzi's response to that? You're it, boys. No one else is coming. The penny started falling at that point. I don't think it quite fully dropped straight away. But it started falling. We had been hoping that maybe a solid minister would come along to revitalize the church and we could continue doing what we were doing. Maybe someone else might go and plant and we could be part of a team. But in those moments, it looked very much like we were being called to plant a church. That was mental. And the days after, we asked a billion questions. What about the people, the church we're in that we love? Who'll come with us? Where will we be based? What should we do with our time? Should we keep doing youth stuff that's been pretty successful? How are we going to support our young families? What will the community think of us? How on earth 
are we going to plant a church? You might be asking that still. How on earth did they plant a church? <laughs> In 2015, August 2015, we left Greyfriars where we were. Began full-time employment with 20 schemes. And then in January 2018, Hope Community Church Berlanark was launched. Praise the Lord. We've just celebrated our fifth anniversary. And our vision throughout has been to make Jesus known in Berlanark and beyond. We got there by grace alone, let me tell you. But I want to share a little bit of what that's looked like for the next little while. Simply, I want to say, how do we establish churches? We know Jesus and we make Jesus known. Simply. Let me read a verse from Philippians 3. It says, Philippians 3.8. You may know it. It's Paul says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ. Whenever we talk about making Jesus known, this verse is in my head. And I reckon that this was a foundational principle in Paul's heart. There is no greater treasure than knowing Jesus. Nothing. In verses 4 to 6, just before this, Paul was writing about all the confidence that he could have in himself. His achievements, his status, his worth. But really, all that self-confidence was worthless, like dumb. He now has this deep intellectual and emotional sense of how infinitely more valuable it is to know Jesus. Why did Paul make treacherous journeys, endure beatings, put up with vile opposition and constant dangers and the rest? Because he treasured Jesus. He loved Jesus. So he longs in verses 9 to 11 to be found in him, to know him and the power of his resurrection. 12 to 14, he says, he's not quite there yet, though. So he's pressing on. Even in prison, Paul's pressing on to make Jesus known. This was his life. He knew Jesus had died to pay the price of sin. He knew he rose to defeat death. He knew that he reigns as sovereign king of all. All authority, like Alan was sharing with us earlier. He knew that he's returning for his people. Paul knew that until then, his spirit was with us, with him, to lead, guide, and guard. He knew that his biggest issue was we were all sin, sick, sinners. How Chris put it? Sin sick sinners. He knew Jesus. And as you read through his letters, you'll hear him talk about freedom, peace, assurance, joy, hope, security, strength, contentment, purpose, endurance, love, and more and more and more. These aren't cold, hard facts. These are deep 
emotional realities that come from the gospel. Yes, we need solid, deep theology. Yes, we need to understand the gospel intellectually. But it must land in our hearts with Jesus as our greatest treasure. And we know the gospel. We know a ridiculous amount of blessing. <laughs> ridiculous. Makes me think of C.S. Lewis's story about the kid making mud pies in the slum when he's been offered a day at the beach. We settle for so little when we could have so much in Christ. Paul could consider everything a loss because he knew Jesus as his greatest treasure. We have that treasure. Treasure in clay jars, we've mentioned already, we're weak. But if we want to establish healthy gospel churches, this is where we have to start. We must flow from treasuring Jesus with all our hearts. Do we know Jesus? Do we really know Jesus? Do we love Jesus above all else? Are our hearts resting in the phenomenal realities that we have in him? Saul said last night as we kicked off a praise night, we're in a battle for our affections. Are our affections fixed on Christ? Are we fighting to turn from sin and find all we need in him? Now I guess most of us here in this room are here because you do know Jesus. We've put our trust in him to be saved. And yet I don't want to assume that. So if you are not a believer yet this morning and you're in this room, come and know Christ for the first time. Come and find new life. Come and treasure him. So brothers and sisters, if you have forgotten how good Jesus is, come this morning. Warm your heart with the beautiful, great treasure that Christ is. He is what you need. If you're weary, burdened, and weighed down, come and find rest. If you're stuck in sin, can't shake it, come to Jesus for freedom. If you are anxious and fearful, come to him and find security. Come and know Jesus. I'm not here this afternoon to tell you that Pete and I are great church planters, far from it, and our church will testify to that. That'd be lies anyway. I'm here to say that if we want to establish churches, we need to know Jesus. It's the only thing that's, that will keep us going for any time. Pete quoted C.T. Studd last night, and here's another one of his for you. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. When we know and treasure Jesus, we will go and make Jesus known, right? So firstly, know Jesus. Secondly, making Jesus known. This is how we want to establish churches. What does that look like? I'm going to give you 12 things, briefly through them all, to help think about all this stuff practically. Again, it's nothing spectacular or new. It might be helpful. Take from it what you will. This is just some suggestions of what we could do, I guess. 
Firstly, see the huge need. Paul was passionate about his ministry to go to the Gentiles with the gospel of God's grace. He saw the need. Jesus saw crowds and had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. When we look at Glasgow, we see countless lost sheep. Our nation is in a mess. We've said this already. You can look at the headlines and drug deaths and addictions and the NHS and turmoil, mental health off the charts. The reality is that sin is wrecking Scotland though. Not agendas. It's sin. Hopelessness that comes from it is ruining lives. People are trying out for answers. People are looking for something to make life that little bit better, to give a little bit of hope. But people are wandering to hell like lost sheep off a cliff. As we worked in Berlanic, we met people, saw real situations, broken families, neglected kids, addiction, violence, depression, anxiety, the works. Many of you will see it in your places, and it is heartbreaking, isn't it? The only answer we had, the only answer we still have, is the gospel of Jesus. We're rooted there, aren't we? Harper here, nearly 10 years ago, did a survey of all the broadly evangelical churches in Glasgow, Pete mentioned last night. And in that study, we found that on a Sunday morning, there would be around 12,000 people in Glasgow going to a broadly evangelical church. 12,000. I don't know if you've wondered about this area at all, or if you know Glasgow, just across the river there's the Hydro gig venue. On a Sunday morning, all of us could fit in there. All of us. It's a tiny percentage of the population of Glasgow. More than that, the study found that these churches tended to be in the more affluent <coughs> neighbourhoods. In the West End, studenty, bit posher, there's one church for every two and a half thousand people of the population. In the East End, one church for 30,000 people in the population. Total disparity. There's 97 schemes in Glasgow. How many of those folks could stumble into a church and hear the gospel on a Sunday morning? How many of these folks could bump into a neighbor and meet a Christian who could share their hope in Jesus? Do you see the need? It is massive. Look around your communities. Look around our homes like Glasgow, Scotland, beyond. Look at churches that are shrinking, struggling, need support. Look at places that have no church left because Christians have moved out and moved on. Look at the so-called churches that are butchering the Bible for their own gain. See the need. Two, don't overcomplicate it. We might have massive questions that could hold us back. We don't have finances, we don't have people, don't have a building, don't know anyone, don't know where to begin. What about our own church health? Why can't we just go and do some ministries in these areas? These are some good ideas. Maybe not me though. Someone else will probably go and do it. Won't it be hard on our kids and our family? Many of these are good questions worth considering, right? Good things to weigh up. P and I had a ton of questions early on. Many of them weighed heavy on us. 
Questions are not reasons to hold back and do nothing. Don't overcomplicate it. Let's cast those cares on the Lord and follow in obedience what we've been called to do. When Israel were going into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb were like, yes, this is awesome. Let's do it. A bunch of the others are like, bit scary. They're pretty big over there. Not sure we can handle this troops. Last night, as we've been thinking about through today, the church is God's plan, God's weapon, God's responsibility. His church, his people will go on the offensive and the gates of hell will not prevail. Alan, earlier on today, the authority is Christ. His presence is with us. We're called to go. Let's do that. Let's follow the great command to love the Lord and love people and just get on it. Let's not overcomplicate. Keep it simple. Thirdly, identify specific places. For Pete and I, we were already in Berlanark. We maybe wondered if someone else might come there or if we might go somewhere else, but we were there. No one else was coming. We loved that little scheme. We still do love that little scheme. Where's God put you? Maybe there's no local church in your community. Maybe you live one place and travel for another, to another for church. Maybe you've got family in an area with no local church. Maybe you're part of a church that's struggling and needs some help. Past while, we've had churches coming to us. Well, I say us, Pete. People coming, going, we need help. What can we do? Let's think about this. We're committed to being a church that plants churches. It's always what we as a church, Hope Community Church Berlanic, have wanted to do, make Jesus known in Berlanic and beyond. We want to help other churches plant churches. It's just bonkers for a tiny little church like ours. But let's find a way to make it happen. Where are the places we can go? Where are the churches that need support? We're part of 20 Schemes. We're part of FIC. We're part of Acts 29 as well. We'll work with whoever we need to work with to help make Jesus known. Let's find the places though. And then we'll, number four, identify people to set apart. The Lord will send laborers to the harvest field. But who's that going to be? Over time, we want to train and equip folks who are from schemes to be local leaders in local churches. But for that to happen, we need people to come and join the mission now. We would love to see more Scottish folk give their lives and throw it all in to go in a scheme for Jesus. For Pete and I, we were it, clearly. There could have been much more capable and gifted people, but there wasn't. Our church are stuck with us. But the schemes of Scotland don't need glitzy, polished preachers and people who are the finished article. One, because none of us are. But two, simply we just need people who will love Jesus and love people. Is that you? Do you want to do that? Think of one person you know and love who doesn't yet know Jesus. Who's telling them? Think of the 600,000 people in Glasgow who don't yet know Jesus. Who's telling them? 
All of us can talk about Jesus wherever we are. There's no ideal place to serve God except the place he set you down, said Alistair Begg at T4G. We were over there last year. All of us can serve our church and our communities wherever we are. All of us can go to people around us in our daily life and just talk about Jesus. Some of us might be called to give up everything, though, and go somewhere else. Is that you? Church leaders, send your best. Send your best people. Look for folks who have character and gifting and send them our way. Or send them somewhere. (laughs) Send them to go plant. Send them to the mission field. At Twitch Schemes, we've got a pretty solid recruitment assessment process. Come bring people through that. And then we'll also follow up with practical training in local churches. It'll look different for different places and different people. You met Mike there a wee while ago. He's moved from New York over to here. He's a member of our church. The church is going to be planted by our church. We've also, Logan's also here down the front. He's a wave, Logan. Yeah. He also was a member of our church, but we've sent him off to another church to revitalize. Paul Harkis is here somewhere, I think. There he is up there. Hey, yeah. He's a member down at Maxwell Church. He's going to be a plant from Maxwell Church, but he's involved in our training stuff. It'll look different for different people. There's t- many ways to skin a cat, isn't there? Is there many ways to skin a cat? <laughs> <laughs> Logan says he's actually skinning one right now. <laughs> You need to identify people for different places, but is that you? How do you know if you're called? Does this in any way chime with you? Does this in any way land on your heart and you think, okay, maybe? Regardless, all of us ought to get to our knees, shouldn't we? Let's get praying, Lord, send laborers. That's what we need more than anything. We need people willing to give their lives to the schemes of Scotland. Lord, use our weak efforts for your glory. So that was four. Identify people. Five, gather a team. When we get people, planters, to lead a team, we also want to build a team around them. For us, it started with me and Pete, Cara and Lindsay, in our front room, watching Alistair Begg sermons. It was tremendous. A long time ago. But from there, we wanted to just emulate the church in Acts 2. We wanted to gather people for fellowship and Bible and prayer. We wanted to sing together. We wanted to share life together and have all things in common. Be vulnerable together. Confess sin. Treasure Jesus together. And it's sweet to look around and see some of the folk that have come on that journey as well. We want to encourage Christians to just live authentic Christian lives together. That's what a team is. We gather a team. And so we're always asking people to come. Yes, we need planters. We need gospel workers. We need women's workers. We need interns. We also need folk just to come and be members. Just be part of it. Have your job. Live in the scheme. Get to know people. Serve that community. And when we're building teams, we want to look for diversity. People who will complement each other 
as well. So that gifts can be used well together. That's five. Gather a team. Six. Running out of fingers. Teach what you believe. At the start, we simply met to, to pray on Monday evenings. Over time, folk were attracted to that. That whole Acts 2 type ethos. The hope of making Jesus known in the community and living in the community. But actually, when we started to talk about the formal commitment of membership and the specifics of what we believed, folk left. We were maybe slow to nail some things down. So I encourage you to get structures in place early and teach what you believe early. Quite simply. Teach what you believe. Show people what they're signing up to and invite commitment to that. Seven, pursue relationships in the community. Gather your team, send them out. Get to know people. Move towards people in love. Simple. Again, we overcomplicate that, don't we? The biggest thing we've had is just to live in the community. We've mentioned that already. Get to know the community. Be in that world. Know what makes people tick. Know where people meet. Be visible there. Put on events that will help to build relationships and get to know folk. Ask people questions. Come with humble hearts to learn. There's a huge danger in just turning up and telling people what you think you need to say to them. Now clearly we don't want to compromise on the gospel message. But we want to get in there and understand where people are at so that we can communicate the gospel effectively. We had pushback about a few things that we did early on. Calling people poor was one of them. And so we had to think through how we were communicating. That was part of understanding the community even more. The big thing, though, is just go and do your life with gospel intentionality. It sounds snazzy, but it's not. Just go and talk about Jesus. <coughs> I've had more conversations, better fruitful conversations, when I'm out just walking the dog than just, you know, putting on events or whatever. Just getting alongside people and talking to them. Yes, we've got a dog. <laughs> He's called Nico. He's a border collie. He's great. He's bonkers. Probably a bad witness. Um, but routines are gold, right? Routines are so helpful. Go to the same shops. Shame shops? Sean Connery's taking over. It's a graveyard shift, isn't it? Kids at the local schools, go to gyms, cafes, whatever. Go where people are. Do it routinely. Get to know folk. I once heard someone say, be normal and talk about Jesus. Found that quite a challenge <laughs> but the point being when we talk about what we love don't we it comes back again to treasuring christ if we are daily rooted in him we'll go and talk about him wherever we are don't need to wait till we can get someone along to an event or a service just do life and talk about jesus along the way and that works for evangelism that works for discipleship as well Spend time with people. Involve your families if you've got a family. Don't go stealing families. <laughs> Involve your kids. Don't hide them away. One of the things we love, in fact, one of the things that's been really beneficial for us in Berlanark has just been doing stuff with the kids. So I kind of mentioned earlier about putting on the toddlers because we had lots of babies. It made sense. Use the kids. Get them involved. Our kids attend the local school and it can be bonkers. But there's daily opportunities to talk about what it means to live for Jesus. What it means to treasure Jesus. 
Pursue community relationships. Number eight, trust the Lord will provide. We made the call to resign at Greyfriars before we knew we would have salaries in place. I'm not saying that to blow our own trumpets. Looking back, I'm like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> there was two of us wanting to be full-time. We had five kids, two and under, by all accounts. Not just us, as in between the two couples. You guys need to shut up down the front, right? <laughs> between us all, we... Anyway. It looked mental that we were making the decision to leave without financial stability. We had people tell us, you're never going to raise that money. It's never going to happen. It did. <laughs> the Lord provided and he's provided again and again and again and again if we want to establish healthy gospel churches we need to take the risk of spending money yes we should steward well we don't just want to throw money down the drain but we also shouldn't be stockpiling we shouldn't be led by numbers I can hear the guys from the office going shut up I wonder if our bank statements show that we treasure Jesus. Our church budget is nuts for a little church. But we need to throw resources at opportunities if we are going to see long-term gospel ministry in the schemes of Scotland. We're always fundraising, or meant to be. Mez is anyway. And <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> We couldn't do what we do if it wasn't for countless believers across the world sacrificially giving. But we also want to encourage giving in our church. In schemes, folk might not have much. We want to encourage sacrificial, cheerful giving. But in all of that, as Taylor Hudson, no, Hudson Taylor said, yeah, that is the right way around, isn't it? As some old dude said, <laughs> God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. Yeah? The Lord will provide for his work. Trust that. Number nine, take risks. I'm naturally pretty cautious. But when I'm convinced of something, I'll go all in. Years ago, I read Piper's Don't Waste Your Life, and it's probably the one book that has shaped my thinking more than any other still frequently go back to it. And one thing that stuck with me is when he says obedience is risk. Obedience is risk. What if faith-filled obedience actually looked like taking risks, being willing to step into uncertainty, even facing loss, so that we can show what a treasure Jesus is? When God's people do live by faith and treasure Jesus, it is beautifully obvious that it's him that's at work, not us. We might do things that by common sense just look mental, but by God's wisdom will bring fruit. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Took a ridiculous risk. They knew they were going to get burnt. But the Lord delivered them. On the other hand, think of countless martyrs who have given everything for the sake of Christ. These are risks worth taking. 
What if Martin Luther stood at the door with his theses in one hand and thought, this is going to kick up a bit of a fuss. Maybe do it another day, yeah? He didn't. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of times we battle. Plenty of times I battle to think, man, I could do without this hassle. But will we bow to the idols of false comfort and security or will we serve and obey the God of all comfort and eternal security? Take risks. Number 10, be creative. Don't just do what other churches do. Listen and respond to the needs of your community. Try things. Again, take risks. Free people to just have a bash and go and do something. Start a ministry, whatever. Go give it a shot. Again, mentioned Cara doing our toddlers group. First thing, because we had all those babies and there's nothing for parents and babies in Berlanic. What can we do in our schemes that no one else is doing? How can we serve the people in our schemes in ways that they're not being served? How can we just make those connections? There's so many good ideas. Think through creatively what you could do so that you can get to know people and show them the treasure of Jesus. Whatever we do, do it well and put the effort in. We go to some bonkers lengths when we're running holiday clubs or VBSs in the summer. And you could look on and be like, you guys need to like, you know, do something else with your time and effort or whatever. But you know what? They have been gold in terms of us being visible in the community, getting to know families and had opportunities to share Christ with kids and families. It's worth doing well. Be creative and enjoy it. It's fun <laughs> being creative and doing things with the church and getting people involved. Anyone who's seen our holiday club videos will testify. What was that one? Be creative. 11, expect carnage. <laughs> expect carnage. I could leave that there, but let's see some more. If we take risks, if we are creatively trying things, we will make mistakes. We'll make mistakes and there will be failures, and that's okay. A few years back at weekend, Pete spoke on the parable of the sower in terms of failure. Because actually, the farmer spreads seeds widely, and most of that seed died. Jesus promised that in this world we will have trouble. So we can expect it. When we are involved with people, we're going to be involved with mess, aren't we? When we put ourselves out there, we make ourselves vulnerable. Don't be surprised when people call you a cult. Don't be surprised when somebody you've been getting to know just starts ignoring you. Don't be too downbeat when nobody turns up to a Bible study. Don't give up because a new convert's gone back to drugs. Don't doubt your calling because your team's just fallen apart and you've had to cancel your launch service. Yeah, all these things happen to us. <laughs> and then some. We know that though, right? Christian life is hard and ministry is hard, so we can expect carnage. But it's oftentimes that it's these times that the Lord is most obviously at work in and through us. Expect the carnage, but press on. Paul's in prison, but he was pressing on. 
And lastly, celebrate the good. Celebrate the good. Yeah, it's going to be hard, so take time out to enjoy the good that God is doing in your place. Encourage your team. Encourage your church. Think about how God has answered prayers. Rejoice in that. We've recently celebrated 10 years of 20 schemes and it is phenomenal to see the, the way the Lord has been at work in that. It's been brilliant to celebrate. And when we're doing this, we get a front row seat to watch what God is doing to redeem sinners and build his church. It's pretty sweet, right? There's nothing more phenomenal than watching folks wrestle with the Bible for the first time. And seeing the Spirit give life. Let me tell you about Scott Sr. He was the first person who came to know Jesus after we launched in 2018. I got to meet with him week by week and watch the jigsaw fall into place as he wrestled with the Bible. As he asked a billion questions. And I'm not joking by saying a billion. He wrestled. The Spirit gave faith. It was so sweet to see. Last October, we held Scott's funeral. We grieved as we lost one of our dearest members and most passionate evangelists. And yet it was a sweet, sweet, sweet celebration of what the Lord had done to save his soul for all eternity. Praise the Lord. Take time to be thankful. Celebrate the Lord's goodness. And that's where we want to land. How do we establish churches? Know Jesus and make Jesus known. He's the one who came to us. He came to our world. He spent his life with sinners, with outcasts like you and me. He gathered a team, taught his team, sent his team out. He died on a cross to atone for sin that none of us could do to reconcile us to God. He rose to secure life, hope, and peace. He sent his spirit to dwell with his people. He's using his church to display his goodness and glory. And he's coming back to make all things new. Let's go and know Jesus and make Jesus known. Let's pray. Father, in all of this, we are utterly helpless. We are nothing but for your grace. And as we come to consider how on earth we go forward in planting and revitalizing and establishing churches, we pray that you would just help us fix our hearts and minds on Christ. Let us be people who are so filled with Christ that we can't not go to make him known. Lord, help us daily dwell in all we have in him. Fill our minds with his goodness. And might we fight for our affections to constantly be on him. Use our weak efforts for your glory, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.